Welcome back to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, we have our cool shirts on today. We do. Check it out. Uh, Jeremy's got his Langley Falls Bazooka Sharks. Uh, Bazooka Sharks? As you know, Jeremy and I are avid American Dad fans. Uh, it is probably Seth MacFarlane's best show. Uh, yeah. And uh, Absolutely. If any of our fans are Laser Rats fans, get out. Yeah, get out. This, this is Zuka Sharks territory. We'll see you, Laser Rats, in the Sharks' Nest this coming Saturday for the playoffs. Uh, then I got my, if you can see it, I don't know if you can, my A24 shirt. Uh, I think I mentioned it on the podcast that I ordered this shirt. Is it soft? I want to feel. It's not bad. Well, uh, you know, you, you got to wash it a couple times to, oh, get gotta the, wash it? to get maximum softness. Yeah, you got to wash. I, I wanted to wear my, uh, my Wonder Years pigeon shirt. Oh. But I had already worn it like oh. a pleb. But Damn. yeah. Well, welcome back, everyone. Yeah. Um, yo, I just got to say, our Tombstone episode is uh, it's getting some traction. It's getting crazy hits on Facebook. I We're know. talking double digits, guys. It's insane. I it, know. it almost never gets that high. <laughs> um, last I checked on the YouTube analytics, I think it had like 12 views. It's not bad. Well, I mean, it's not bad. Our Truman Show is like 24, but that's yeah, whatever. Our um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has the most. It's got like 40 something. Yeah. But uh, holding steady. Dad's <laughs> not moved a muscle <laughs> since then. But, you know, <laughs> I just want to say, I'm sure Jeremy would agree. Uh, it's, you know, the thank you to everyone who's been you know watching, liking the posts. Of course, they may just like the posts because they see Tombstone. They're like, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think I have a strong suspicion that that's what it is. <gasps> like, oh, Tombstone. Yeah, I think the more popular the movie the more likes we get. Just because... I don't think anyone reads the No, the I think they just see the poster and they're like, oh, that's dope. I love Tombstone. You know what I mean? You could have literally said like, I murdered five people yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your day? Like, uh, what's up, Reservos? I confess about murdering JonBenet Ramsey. And then they're just going to be like, oh, cool, Tombstone. <laughs> oh, yo. They did Tombstone? And then there's going to be that one person that was like, wait, did he just... Wait, that guy wait, said he killed JonBenet <laughs> Wait, should we... Everybody knows it was the little brother. But like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Or big brother. Whatever. I was about to say, like, little brother. Wasn't she the youngest child? Yeah, I think she was. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> oh my the God. brother. Um, We're already... My mom would be... If she was still on, she'd be yelling at us. <laughs> mom, if you're watching, thank you for being on last yes, week. And thank sorry you, we have already gotten off topic. Wow. Um, so welcome back, everyone. <laughs> if you listened to Tombstone last week, uh, you will know that this episode is special for me because I specifically chose it to uh, irritate Jeremy, but... Um, I do want to have a real discussion about it. And we will. Um, and that is the 2013 uh, version from director Boz Lerman of The Great Gatsby. Um, as I mentioned, I think in our The Road episode that I think the book is uh, phenomenal. I have read the book. I have even been listening to it on Audible because it's narrated by Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, or as we talked about in, uh, I think, the Prisoners episode, that it's actually like Guylen Hall, Gillen Hall. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think how they pronounce it on the Audible is like Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I think or you know the American pronunciation is Gyllenhaal. He's not even in this movie. But anyways, so. um, but yeah, you know, so I I specifically chose movies after you chose Warrior because I wanted to talk about these other films that the actors in this movie had done because even though I I do enjoy this movie a lot, I acknowledge that it has flaws. Okay. I acknowledge that not everything in the film is perfect. Um, but I still enjoy it. We'll agree a lot on those. Um, and I wanted to open the episode and I told you I was going to do this, uh, with a, a preface from the book. Uh, we used to have the cool now. Can you um, slip cover with the you know the eyes of who? Who wrote the preface? Who wrote the? Uh, the let, intro? It, let us see. This is the first time. Because uh, I want to preface know. by Matthew J. Bercoli. Okay, cool. Bercoli. B r u c c o l i. You know how you never heard of this guy, uh, ladies and gentlemen? You're about to find out because he's okay. about to get this crazy. So quote. I, I think this is a good quote to describe the book. Sure. Now I want to. I want to preface the preface by saying that I don't think this uh, hits for the movie. Okay. But I do think that this sums up the book perfectly. Uh, This is the first paragraph of the preface. The Great Gatsby does not proclaim the nobility of the human spirit. It is not politically correct. It does not reveal how to solve problems of life. It delivers no fashionable or comforting messages. It is just a masterpiece. And I agree. Um... The book, and even the movie, has no uh, cathartic catharsis to it. Um, th- th- there is no, uh, there's no comfort <laughs> in the end of this story. I, I'd agree at all. Yeah, you know, I remember. I mean, there was for me last night as soon as the credits rolled. Thank God. <laughs> well, but as far as story, I knew what you meant. Yeah, uh, you know, because. Um, at a surface level, and we're about to get into the movie, at a surface level, the story is what you think is a, a lost love story. You know? Yeah. Th- this guy trying to find the lost love of his life that he hadn't seen in five years. But underneath all of that is a story of identity, uh, acceptance, in a time where you had to put on a front to be accepted. You know, if you weren't throwing these lavish parties, no one really cares who you are, you know, and that, and that's kind of personified and my segue into the movie personified in Nick, you know, no one, the most, the only person who really truly genuinely cares for Nick until the end of the movie, uh, is his cousin Daisy. You know, she doesn't care that he's not rich. She doesn't care that he's not famous you know, she actually appreciates that her cousin is, in a sense, simple. Well, and here's here's something about that is everybody else introduces him as a writer because right. that's more um, that's more unique than that stockbroker. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. Uh, or, it, or bond salesman. It goes to the the idea that you know, if you're not special, you're boring. Right. right. No in between. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what, you know, would you at least agree with me on that? That that's the underlining, the under, under that is what this story is about is. is, Yeah, sure. Well, and we'll get there. Why? And I'll, you know, I'll double down on this, but. Fine. (laughs) 
Um, so, Jeremy, before we really get into the movie, yeah, what did you think of it? Because okay. I know this is the first time you've ever seen this yes, version. This is the one I've seen. This one, I, I have seen the Robert Redford one. So, it, I mean, it's been years. I might as well have not seen it at all. Before, before you give me your opinion, I actually tried to watch the Robert Redford version, mm-hmm. and I immediately found it very boring. It's extremely boring. Yeah. Um, because I'd already seen this version, and I was like, yeah, no. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it, it was super boring. I saw it in high school, um, you know, and um, actually, I think my hatred for the book started in high school because <laughs> because our our teacher just had us watch the movie. Uh, she was see, she was like, I hate this book. It's stupid. Let's watch the movie. And I'm like, right on. Well, see, I, I never got to read the book in high school. I didn't read it until the this version of the movie was announced, and I was like, that's a book, isn't it? And so I wanted to read the book before the movie came out. Yeah. And the book isn't long. No. Um, I think it's one of Fitzgerald's, not necessarily shorter books, but I think it's among some of his shorter books. Uh, and so I read it, fell in love with it. and But anyway, so so what was your right. opinion? Because okay. so... now, now we have my situation where it was fresh eyes for you. Yeah, fresh eyes for me. I... As soon as it starts, I I immediately just recognize it's vibrant, mm-hmm. right? Which um, is, it's, uh, I mean, it is extremely vibrant. I mean, one of Baz Luhrmann's trademarks. Trademarks, right? uh, yeah. You know, if you've seen Moulin Rouge, if you've seen Romeo plus Juliet, uh, um, that's really the only. Okay, uh, I, I think he's made more, but Australia I mean, is another one. Oh, he's that's made. right. That's right. Um, that's I haven't right. seen that. Mom loves Australia. She's seen that one a bunch of times. Uh, I've never seen it. I don't know. It's great, but I I'm, I wouldn't say a future pick. No. Because I don't, I mean, I annoy you enough with Wes Anderson. So, but anyway. Okay. So, so, very vibrant. It's very vibrant. I was, I was on board until, maybe until Daisy reconnects with Gatsby. And then okay. it dragged. And I was like, what is happening? I'm so bored. Get to the car wrecks or I'm leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, knowing some of the story, I had forgotten some things. I had thought initially that the mistaken identity with the cars was going to be a bigger deal. Uh, that it was going to be more of a... Um, Plot point. Yeah, or more of a mystery like... Or not a mystery to us, the audience, but to the characters to uh-huh. say who actually hit... Uh, Myrtle. Uh, Myrtle, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was solved like that. I mean, it was like super easy. As soon as Joel Egerton uh, pulls up in his blue car, that was that. It was over, right? I mean, right. mystery solved. Um, and so I thought that was, you know, going to be a bigger deal. At least I thought it was a bigger deal in the book. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um, it, maybe it was just solved that quickly. I have no idea. I So even though I've read the book and I've listened to the audiobook, my brain is not working. So I can't remember if it is a bigger deal in That's the book. Okay. Um, and so that was, I was like, okay. And then I had thought initially that uh, I remembered Gatsby dying. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, <gasps> he dies. And I guess I didn't remember why. And it was for the exact reason he should have been shot, which was he killed Myrtle. Right. So, well, um, well that's, you know, that's what the characters think. Technically Daisy killed Myrtle, but that's neither here nor there. Either way. Either way, Gatsby's to blame. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I guess justice is kind of served that way. But in your point to there is no catharsis in not even in the for the audience. There is no catharsis for the audience. There is sort of for there's closure for Gatsby because he thinks Daisy's on the phone. 
and that's as that's as much as he needs to know, mm-hmm. right? We as the audience realize it's not Daisy. She it's never Nick. called. Yep. And it's Nick. And so really the the sort of, you know, um, anti-catharsis, the, the anti-closure is on the audience, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. The... Because, you know, right after Gatsby gets shot, you know, Nick kind of checklists that, we had, you know, his funeral, you know, people who never even knew him were there. Uh, and then uh, Wolfshire, the man that Gatsby... Me and Ashley have tried to figure out their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he and his cronies go in and just take everything out of the house because they never really cared about Gatsby as a friend. You know, they just saw Was him. Was he the um, the um, the weird dude with the the molar type? The in. molar type in the book, they're cufflinks, right? Um, yes. Uh, that they're that they're people's molars. That was actually that guy's first movie ever. Really? Yeah. I mean, he, bro, he, he laid in on the creepy. Yeah, he did. He was uh, very creepy. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tobey Maguire was legit, legitimately scared after so, that scene. So, all right. So, overall, I, I would say I didn't like it. There are things I like about it. There, there are yep. elements in this that I enjoyed. Well, see, I, I, I knew there were parts that you would... I apologize for moving, everyone. I'm trying to trying something new for the, this. Um, there were parts I knew you'd really like. Um there was all right. So things that I really liked was, I liked the idea of having characters standing in front of stock footage instead of creating just a flashback. Like when right? when like when they're talking about uh, Gatsby, Gatsby in the, in the war. war, right? He's just standing in front of, you know, old actual war footage, right. actual World War One footage, right? Or clippings of newspapers stuff like that right uh, they did a similar thing with buchanan right mm-hmm. um and i liked that that was cool uh, there's a movie i really really like called experimenter um with peter skarsgård as um oh my god obedience to authority is the book and it is dr stanley milgram uh, he uh plays dr stanley Milgram. Oh, okay. and so that that film is shot and you'd love it because it's fourth wall breaks galore um, where they, the characters are standing in front of a projection of a black and white photo oh, okay. of a scene instead of being in the actual space, right? And so it, it reminded me of that, and I kind of like that. Okay. Um, and I, I can see why, because this is a total Baz Luhrmann thing, which is putting modern music in a period piece, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he does the same thing in Moulin Rouge which I watched 20 minutes of, and I got a headache. Uh, well, I'll give you a pass on, because, yeah, I've, I've never seen it, but I've seen scenes, and I'm like... It's just, it's completely overwhelming. And there, there are points in this where it is also very overwhelming, but it's on purpose, right? Right. I think in Moulin Rouge, uh, I was talking to um, a friend of mine at work, Wendy, and she was telling me, because she loves Moulin Rouge, and she likes, like, you know, Broadway musicals and things like that. She was telling me that Baz Luhrmann assumes you know the story already. Right. Oh, okay. And so he's just throwing you in. Right. Mm, and okay. so that's why it kind of feels overwhelming and chaotic. And I think he kind of maybe assumes, you know, this story also. Yeah. Uh, there are moments, especially with the green light at the dock where, you know, it's like, remember, look, you remember the story. And, and <laughs> you I'm, know this, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, it, it's like the it's like the kid from Big Mouth, you know, the, you know him. I assure you, I don't. And I didn't. And so, 
um, things I liked. So, again, I really did enjoy the vibrance uh, of the of the movie. I, mm. I think that um, it, it really played with. It's an extreme, and I and I kind of like that. Well, and I, and I feel like the vibrance really helps with really showing how the 20s was yes and we'll talk more about the the first party scene that um nick, nick attends is, yeah that nick is invited to mm. that's where the chaos takes place the other parties aren't like that because we are seeing it from his point of view right, right, right this right. thing is just gigantic and it's you know an insane place to be right mm. um so that's why that's a little chaotic but anyway um Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Uh, I, I, you know, we were, you know, we discussed before, and I'm sure my arm is you blocked. Can't, you can't see it right now. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we need to get better at that. But um, you were saying that, I think, a few episodes back, that the reason you were picking movies with actors, so you can see them at their best, so you can see them in this. Yeah. I think that you were right to do so, because, yes, these are not their best performances. But Carrie Mulligan... Oh, she's amazing. In everything. And so uh, Carrie Mulligan, I think, is the only one that I would say is giving a phenomenal performance. Well, I, I agree, but not, not technically disagree, because I, I think her and Leo are, are the ones shining through. Because I'm going to be honest, uh, I think as we mentioned in our season one premiere of... Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Leo can do no wrong. He, I think he always puts a hundred percent in every performance. We don't have to talk about Critters Three. I'm sure he doesn't talk about Critters Three, because um, <laughs> he really plays up the 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 act that is Jay Gatsby. You know, uh, new money, uh, which will, which I really want to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk that. about new and old. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, with the old sport. Uh, one of the times, dude, I, was it killing you? Killing me. So, and I'm it's sure worse it's, in the book. I can't imagine. Um, one of the times I was watching it, I actually I wanted to count because I was like, I know he says it to to to. IMDb counted for you. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, we we will get there in a second, but um, you know, because he he says it to, to play up the act that I'm rich, I've got money. This is how rich people are supposed to talk. I hate it. Because that's how his mentor talked. Um, but anyway, I tried to count it, and I lost track after like 73. And that was within 20 minutes, if I remember correctly. <laughs> like a 20 to 30 minute span after we finally meet Jay Gatsby. 20, 30 minutes later, I'd counted it 73 times. I think you may have overcounted. Um, Probably. Because it's not Probably. even that many throughout it, the whole movie. It um, was, but I, dude, I was just like, because I was like, oh my God, what number am I on? And then, you know, by the time I had lost track, I, uh, you know, we're already, you know, we're already at uh, Jay and Daisy having an affair. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to count this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's about fifty five. Fifty five. Okay, then I was way off. But it seems like it's a thousand. Yeah. Uh, because he just says it in every every time he's with somebody, right? Well, and like I said, it's worse in the book. I can't imagine. I wonder if Jake Gyllenhaal How? had a hard time. Like, please don't make me say this. So again. I mean, I wanted to talk about that because that was driving me insane. And I think it's sort of it's a silly thing to nitpick because you know it's 
true to the book. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's true to the time. I mean, the book was written in 1925. But yeah. I, I don't know if people really did talk like that or if he was putting a little stank on it for this guy. Probably. Um, Probably. I mean, Fitzgerald, I'm sure, was really trying to drive home the point that Gatsby doesn't really belong in this world. Or doesn't know how to belong. And they mention it, I mean, in the in the In the movie. flashbacks, yeah. Well, and they mention it, uh, Buchanan mentions um, that he says it a lot, right? When they're in the hotel room? I think so. <laughs> I don't know why they were in a hotel room. Because it's hot. Oh, it's, it's hot and they want to go to the city. That's right. Because they think they'll cool down when they get to the city. Mm, wrong. Rich people problems. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's champagne problems. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I would say that overall, of course, no, I didn't like it. But uh, th- those things are the things I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I do know this. I, I, I say, you know, I acknowledge that this movie has flaws. It's not a perfect movie. You know, critics didn't like it. And I could see, you know, the part, certain parts I could see why. The things, so we talked about the things you liked. I'm going to talk about the things I dislike. Oh. Uh, which are, one, um, the focus in the movie is more shifted towards Nick. Like, yes, the book is from Nick's perspective, but Fitzgerald wrote Gatsby more as a central character. And yes, there's a lot we don't know about him in the book because we are seeing it from Nick's perspective, but the movie is more shifted to Nick's perspective. He, this is all he knows. And that's all, that's all she wrote. You know, is the, is the him at the doctor's? No. So in the book, we don't know what happens to Nick after everything. Cool. And I'm going to chalk this up to something I like. Oh. Because we kind of know, we have an explanation of what happened to Nick after all. I don't know. I might be the opposite on that one. Because I, at first when he was talking, I was like, oh, no wonder Rain likes this. He's fourth wall breaking. And then he's like talking to the doctor. I was like, wait, he's talking to the doctor like that? No, yeah. In in (laughs) the book. He's talking in narration. I don't like that. Well, you know. And so, so in the book, we don't know what happens to Nick after okay. all of this, because the book isn't read as Nick is telling us the story. It's just, it's just the story is being told. I see. But it is from Nick's perspective. I see. So this is a sort of. Uh... This is they they shifted it to it's all from Nick. I mean, again, like I said, the book is from Nick's perspective, but got it, got it, everything got it, got it. in the movie is from Nick's perspective. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um. So I, I do like that we have an explanation to what happened to Nick. Uh, sidebar, as I learned, Ashley told me since, as we mentioned last week, since Greg Gatsby is public domain now, uh, <laughs> someone actually wrote a sequel. That's what Wendy was telling me. Called Nick, where it's all about Nick, which I find kind of interesting. Um, may have to pick that up um, to see. But, um, but anyway, so... The things I disliked, uh, I, I dislike that that it is all primarily Nick. Okay. Except for certain parts, like Nick in the sanatorium. Do you think if it was a better actor, you'd care as much? No. I think Toby, Toby does, I mean. Okay, look. <laughs> I love Toby Maguire. Uh-huh. You know, uh, he was the, the first Spider-Man. He's great. I mean, I, lo- I love him as Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why I brought up Pleasant- Pleasantville. That's yep. why I didn't choose Spider-Man. I chose Pleasantville because I felt like that was mainly also because it really keep you off the scent I, of I mean, what I was I doing. I never figured it out because I don't think about this movie. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, 
But, I mean, there are certain parts in the film where I'm like, Toby, come on, man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny to think that he and... Um, Leo are best friends. And since childhood. And I think that, you know, obviously they're best friends just because they've been... You know, they're, they're friends because they're friends, right? But right. I feel like, you know, if if they had been friends by by way of status in Hollywood, uh-huh. they wouldn't be friends anymore. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, Leo's got an Oscar and Toby hasn't really done much. In... Yeah, Toby's not what I would... Toby, I don't know Toby. Toby McGuire is not someone who I consider a great actor. Right, um, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's fine, and and again, he flourishes in Spider Man one yeah. and two. We don't have to talk about three. No, well, and it wasn't his fault, and it wasn't Sam Raimi's fault. It was Sony's fault, but that's a story for another day. Yes, Sony, come at us. All right, um, but please give me free stuff. <laughs> um, so, eh, you know, I I agree that it was a little too much, Nick. I again, I didn't read the book, so I yeah. was just assumed. This is exactly what it was like. I, mm-hmm. I thought Baz Luhrmann would sort of, I mean, he leaned more into the adaptation than he than I thought. But I, I mean, I, I mean, should have known better. He, because, like I said, I, I do I do enjoy this movie, but uh, when I bought it on Blu-ray, I watched the, the special features like crazy, and Baz really wanted to, and in certain parts, he 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 wanted to make a very faithful adaptation. Because he said, like, you know, he, he feels like no one's really tackled a true adaptation of this book yet. And he wants to be the one to do it because at that time he owned the rights to the book. So he was like, I want to I wanna be able to, for, for people to leave this movie thinking that, and obviously he had to take license in certain parts. But anyway, um, so other, some other things I dislike. Um, and we're going to get, and I want to talk about this at length, certain parts, modern music doesn't work. Okay. I agree. Um, like the party scenes, it works perfectly. I would even argue it worked the, um, the first day or and night that Nick went to the city. Oh, with Tom. I think it works there also only because, uh, and I wrote it down, it puts the craziness of that night into mm-hmm. a modern perspective. So mm-hmm. kids who are what kids, uh, teenagers who are watching this will understand, Oh, this is like going crazy on a Friday night. Right. Right. But for the 1920s. Right. Right. And so <laughs> I think it works there and I think it works in the parties. The nowhere else. Yes. The one place I hate it the most is when we meet Meyer, uh, at the, and they go into the speakeasy, which it's so strange because Nick opens the film saying how the ban on alcohol has been lifted. So, you know, it was cheap. So why are they still hanging out in speakeasies? But I don't know. And, but that, anyway, and that's also not true in a historical context. I don't think either. I know. But anyway, um, and, and it starts to play hundred dollar bills that Jay-Z wrote for the movie. Uh, because like I said, I want to talk about the music at length, mm-hmm. but, uh, as you know, Jay-Z was a music consultant for the movie. But anyway, so it starts playing and it just, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't work. Like, I understand why they chose it, you know, because now we're entering this other world that Nick has never been in before, a speakeasy, 
where all of these government officials and high, you know, high office people like the commissioner, you know, uh, the mayor are all here in the speakeasy. Um, and so I understand why they chose a hip hop song, but it just, it didn't fit with what was happening in the scene. You know, I agree. I, you know, I think that with, in terms of music, I personally like the the music of the twenties in terms of in period pieces. Like mm-hmm. if you watch Boardwalk Empire, you first shout off, out, first off, watch Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, shout out. Uh, I forgot his name. Bushems, Bushems, and uh, Scorsese, and uh, Michael Pitt. Shout out Michael Pitt. First two seasons. First two seasons. Oh, spoiler. <gasps> so um, it's okay. It's been off the air for like what? Watch Boardwalk Empire. Five it's years. Incredible, and of course the music with the the clarinet heavy jazz and with you know the oh, flapper. Yeah. It's it works. It fits. It's perfect. I love it. And there's very little. We get very little of that in this movie. I yeah. mean, there are scenes where it, we can hear it, you know, but as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, ba, this is something that Boz does. He incorporates modern with, you know, a period. Like, let, let's take... You probably said the title correctly. I'm not going to say it correctly. Because I'm not going to give him that credit. Romeo and Juliet. Or as as the official title is, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. With also Leo DeCap. Yep. Uh, Claire Danes. And, and Claire Danes. Um, a modern setting, but they speak... In what was written. Right. So they didn't change the dialogue. They just changed the setting. Right. Which that was something I know you're going to hate me, but uh, for sure that's a future episode just because I, I like that he did that. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a rad take on it. We, we watched it in high school, um, a few years before I saw, uh, the great cats. Um, uh, but we're not talking about that one, but, but anyway, but like, again, you know, using this, using modern, Things and, and again, it's a little different because again, that's set in modern day, mm-hmm. wherever they are. I don't right. really remember. I think it's Los Angeles. Yeah, because they say Venice Beach. Because you know it's anyway. Right. That's a flaw of the, for that movie. And then that's in this too one, on the nose. he's just using modern music in still this nineteen twenty. Like if he had put Gatsby in two thousand thirteen. Which, I think we, it'd be a little different. You know, I've had that thought. I'm like, you know, what if someone makes an adaptation of The Great Gatsby in modern times? But I don't think it would work. It'd be hard. It would be hard because... So much of it has to do with it being 1922. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's... I'm trying to think... Because I, I was talking to Ashley last night about some of the things I dislike about the movie. So... Um, I'll tell you one of the things I really didn't like. Okay. And maybe you agree. So this movie came out the same year as Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it should have. 2013. Maybe Wolf of Wall Street is 2014. But, um, I think so. Similar time. Okay. For Leo. The, there's a scene in The Wolf of Wall Street where they are walking off of a yacht mm-hmm. and walking on this, this dock where water is, you know, on either side and they're walking to the shore or whatever. Um it's perfect. It's not real. Um, it's all blue screen, right? And it looks incredible. I know where you're going. With not this, this one. <laughs> I know <laughs> not this one. Ooh, so, so I'm assuming you're referencing the first time 
we sort of see Gatsby walking on the dock. I don't even, you know, no, that one didn't bother me as much. It was near the end of the film when um, they're on his dock and he is telling Nick all of his secrets. Oh, all his secrets. And I'm like, that looks horrendous. There is a lot of blue screen that... (sighs) Honestly, I wish they would have kept the blue screen to the parties only because... I think it makes it look otherworldly, right? Mm-hmm. And okay. maybe anything in Gatsby's house can be blue screen. Well, that's fine. But everywhere else can't be. Yeah, one of the other... This is another one of my dislikes is, you know, they CGI'd New York completely. And I was like, why did they do that? And Ashley was like, well, because, you know, New York doesn't look like that now. I'm like, yeah, but there are other movies <laughs> that didn't use that much CGI to make... Especially New York, it like Martin Scorsese. I mean, this is a a dramatic example, but Gangs of New York. Oh yeah, like I said, that's a dramatic uh, example because they probably just use sets. Yeah, but still, I think maybe um, Lerman was just trying to make it look like it the, did. the way the way he wants to shoot it. Right with mm-hmm. the with these swooping camera moves and these you know superimposing you know things and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, it all does have to be blue screen. I right. get that, um, and I I remember when the movie was coming out, they were showing behind the scenes footage for some of the TV spots, mm-hmm. and it was just him in a completely blue room, right? <laughs> um, you know, directing these actors, and uh-huh. I was like, I how. I hope it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The the most real that they used, I know for a fact, um, <clears throat> the pool is real. Yes. And that Be- pool looks great. And uh, that pool was not originally there when they found that house. Oh. That was a garden. Okay. Cool. And Boz was like, that's perfect. I need a pool here. And they dug it up, made it into a and pool. And it's deep. Oh, yeah, man. Anyway, as someone who's been in pools their entire life, it's a, it's a good pool. <laughs> he used to be a swimmer. Come yeah. out of Michael Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, bitch. No, don't. I, <laughs> Dude, he, I haven't swam. He would dunk on you. So I was a professional swimmer for 10 years. Okay. Professional. I was a competitive <laughs> swimmer. Michael Phelps is a professional swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer for 10 years. It's been 10 years since I've done that. So, oh, shit. Um, really? So, but we graduated. Oh, yeah. No, it has been 10 years. I was like, we graduated in 2011. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 2021. It's 2021. So it's been 10 years since I've done that. So Michael uh, Phelps. Don't. Don't. Is he even still swimming? Ryan Lochte, though. Oh, dude. Ryan Lochte would. I'll take your ass. No problem, bitch. Come uh, on. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, so, okay. So, we've talked about our likes and our dislikes. Well, you talked about your likes. I talked about my dislikes. I want to talk about, and because I mentioned this in the road episode, Boz uses a lot of visual clues in the movie. Yeah, I wanted to know what you meant by that. So, what I meant, and I, and I said it wrong. I didn't mean visual clues. He's using the visuals in the book. So a lot of the dialogue is directly from the book. Like straight word for word out of the book. Like uh with Jordan's whole comment of I don't uh, I like big parties. They're so intimate. Small parties there's no privacy. That's directly from the book. But Boz also takes a lot of I should have said descriptive words. There we go. Descriptive words from the book and implements them in the movie. So when Nick is talking about he bought you know, 11 red issues of, uh, you know, stocks and bonds mm-hmm. so he can learn. 
that's exactly how Fitzgerald describes the books. Red bound leather with gold lining, uh, with gold lettering. Mm. It's exactly how he describes it. It, it. Almost everything in the film is exactly how Fitzgerald describes it. Um, which I love. That's that's another that's one of the things that I enjoy about it is that Boz really brought the words to life. Yeah, the Coen brothers are very similar. Uh, yeah. in No Country for Old Men, the gun he uses uh, in the very beginning is spot on perfect, the way Cormac McCarthy describes it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's you're right. I mean, that's that's important for an adaptation and especially for fans of the book and the source materials mm-hmm. to be able to say Oh, that's how. That's exactly what they look like, right? No, that's what I was picturing in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that. So I should have said that. So I apologize to everyone who watched the road up. Yeah, listened or watched the road episode, and I said uh, visual clues. Well, let's be let's be honest. You probably more than likely listened to it. We've seen the numbers. Yeah, um, I meant descriptive clues and well, whatever. You get it. I'm tired of explaining myself. I don't have to explain myself to you. Um, so that's that's something I that's one of the big reasons why I enjoy this movie is that the visuals are amazing, mm-hmm. even though we just kind of shit on all the blue screen. But yeah, other than the blue screen, everything else is I think phenomenal. You know, um, Boz. You know he cameos in the movie, right? Yes, he's one of the waiters. <laughs> one of the waiters who stops. Yeah, stops Nick. But um, Boz has a very strange way of seeing the world when, when doing his cinematography because it's it's not the best <laughs> it's good but it's um, are we about to find out what you mean by that just what I mean is like certain shots are perfect like the sequence when Gatsby's throwing all his shirts. Oh, the shirts. Yeah. Is, is, it's beautifully shot because we see all these nice colors. But then, like, when, like, we meet Tom for the first time uh-huh. and he's playing polo, I've just never liked that shot. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. Hey, I don't blame you. But, um, but so I, that's why I just wanted to talk about that. So now the real reason why I also picked this movie was also talked about to talk about the cast. Okay. So we kind of touched on it a little bit of me feeling like Leo gives a hundred percent, even though, you know, the movie is not perfect, but he still gives a hundred percent for the role. Um, it's very strange seeing him with blonde hair. Yeah. Cause in virtually almost every other movie, he's dark hair. Um, but he kills it, man. He, he, he plays the, the new money just it's it just does a great job especially in the sequence when he's alone with daisy for the first time in five years he's nervous which is strange because every time we've seen gatsby up to this point he's been very confident and knows and it just it's a testament to leo's acting in my opinion um joel edgerton uh so uh, in the book, Tom is way worse. Like he is, uh, he's Grandpa Joe, <laughs> uh, level awful in the book. <laughs> Grandpa Joe is the worst he's villain the, to ever grace, grace the screen. Grace the screen. Uh, yeah, 
uh, in the Screen Rant pitch meeting where they're like, he's a bad guy, right? And they're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so in the book, Tom is horrendous. Yep. So like in the sequence when, you know, he and Myrtle are fighting in front of everyone uh, and he slaps her in the movie. Yeah. In the book, he actually breaks her arm. Oh, nice. Like he like really hurts her. In the movie, I mean, yeah, slapping a woman is awful, but in the movie, it's almost like Bosch tried to make him somewhat likable, even though uh, this dude cheats on his wife yeah, and then abuses his uh, mistress. Yeah. Um, but but still, Joel, you know, Joel does a a good job of playing the asshole. Yeah, I mean, like he was, you know, he. Especially with his hallway of I didn't triumphs. Think, yes, that's how you can figure out. Oh, I'm not going to like this guy. Is he going to say, "Look at this trophy"? No, look at this, this one. And this yeah, a, a normal douchebag would just have a room. Tom's got a hallway, so yeah. you have to walk through the hall and see all his accomplishments. All state, as he says. All state. Every time. Well, I mean, hey, he's all state. He can fuck sta- himself. Hey, when you're all state, you're all state. I mean, it's like. You know, you can't argue with the results. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about Toby, um, but we can talk for like eight hours about Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan is incredible. Um, um, yeah, she's... She is in everything. I mean, when we did our um, Inside Louis Davis. Davis. Well, yeah. see, it hit me while I was rewatching it. I was like, yeah, we have... Because I wanted to do a movie with her, but I couldn't like... It was like, you know, when someone asks you, what's your favorite movie? And you're like, what's a movie? I've never seen a movie. <laughs> and then after you've left, yeah. you're like, oh, that was my favorite. Oh, you mean like oh, you motion mean, pictures. Oh, you, moving pictures. Oh, oh right. 24 points a second. Uh, Ooh, that. Um, uh, but like, so I couldn't think of any. So that's why I didn't choose one for Carrie Mulligan. I do have my favorite Carrie Mulligan movie, um, which may be a possible episode for this season because it's really sad. Um, it is Steve McQueen's Shame um, hmm. with uh, Michael Fassbender. I really want to see... Uh, Her performance is amazing. I really want to see Promising Young Woman. Oh, yeah, I do too. Uh, anyway, um, sh- yeah, she is amazing. Uh, it's hard to believe. Again, I think we mentioned it in the Inside Lewin Davis episode. It's hard to believe she's actually British. Yeah. Her she- and, I mean... Her and Joel Edgerton. Well, and uh, what's her face? She was in Tenant. She played the golfer. And the- oh, uh, yeah. And she's also in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Right. Um, she, uh, Aisha. I think her her accent wasn't as great, but Carrie Mulligan's and Joel Edgerton's. Are- yeah, you really would believe that they're from upstate yeah. New York. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm a big fan of Carrie Mulligan's. Yeah, she, you know, she plays, you know, because Daisy, the character of Daisy is... Uh, it's really hard to kind of pin down Daisy because she's, you know, moments she's a hopeless romantic, you know, other moments she's a woman that's been beaten down by a marriage that have with a man that doesn't really love her. Well, I wouldn't say doesn't really love her, doesn't appreciate her, um, you know, and, and, you know, that's why in the sequence where she's talking to Nick about how she's just become very cynical rich lightweight uh, you know as a rich white woman in the 20s you know <laughs> living in uh west egg or east egg uh yeah she's become very cynical yeah but she's become very cynical um in this life and so daisy is just this weird i, w- I wouldn't say weird she's i would say she's the most complicated character 
of the entire story because yeah she's being pulled in a lot of different directions especially and, when her and gatsby's affair starts right you know she deeply loves him if anyone heard that uh my wife just made a sale on etsy um <laughs> but you know she 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 deeply loves gatsby but you know in the 20s it was not i wouldn't say common but like women didn't just divorce their husbands and I mean, no. Shoot over to another relationship. Um, you know, you're right, and I I think when they when they are in that hotel room, um, trying to beat the heat, and I, and I feel like just like with do the right thing, that scene because of the you heat, you can feel it, right? You can it's, feel the heat. It's 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 tense. Have we done an episode of do the right thing? I would love to. I don't I'd know. Love we have to, right. We mentioned it in, during '80s month. Got it. But we didn't do Got a full it. in Got depth. It. Uh, even though I loved, because uh, I, I, that's what you, when you told me like that people have come up to Spike Lee and asked him like, oh yeah, only white did people Mookie do did the right, did he do only the right thing? Only white people do that. Um, that immediately interested me in seeing the movie. Yeah, got it on Criterion, loved it. Yeah. I would love to do a full episode. Shout out to Criterion. Listen, Shout out to Criterion. Um, Give us free stuff. Okay, so when they're when they're in there, and yes, you can feel the heat. I mean, it's insane. Um, I think hers. Her, she is the most complicated character because she is being pulled in all these different directions, especially in this scene. Mm-hmm. And that's when she's kind of like, you know, not really giving a straight answer to either both to yeah. either guy, because it's like, I'm so sick of this, right? I'm, yeah. I'm so tired. Tom is pretty much, are you leaving me and going to him? Or are you, are you leaving him and staying with me? What are you doing? And Gatsby's like, yeah, leave him. Come, you know, like we were, we've always been meant to be together, you know? And, and then, I would say if anyone's also being pulled in a lot of different directions, it's Nick. Yeah. Because Nick, since the beginning of the movie, uh, witnesses Tom cheating um, and can't say anything. Um, Met Gatsby, who Gatsby starts pulling him in different directions. Daisy is the most complicated, but, you know, I think Nick is the most stretched thin character. I agree. But, you know, especially... And it all, and well, in this scene, it was designed to everything comes to a head. Everything. Everything that we've seen up to this point, it's it's going to explode, which it literally does. Gatsby almost beats the shit out of Tom, which I think he should have. He should. Mm. But had he done that, which doing what he did anyway, made Daisy already kind of spiral and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be with him, which. I, I didn't like that Buchanan was picking on him for his pink suit. I thought that suit was rad. Uh, yeah, that suit was tight. Yeah, that suit was dope, man. Uh, I was like, that's... Buchanan can go fuck himself. Yeah, that's what's up because I mean, it was, I was looking at that suit. I was like, that's dope. And then, <laughs> I gotta go get me one of those. And then he's all like the guy with the pink suit. I go, yeah, the raddest pink suit I've ever seen. Yeah, um, bruh. So, as, as they said in 2006, real men wear pink. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a real stepping stone for us men. Yes. Um, <laughs> in fashion. So uh, I think what made me laugh and what um, where I was like, that was strange, but maybe not for the time was Daisy didn't seem to have too much of a problem that of the idea that Nick might be in love with her for a second. Oh, right. right, 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 right. Like, oh, he is in love with me. Like, do you like gross are you in love with me yeah because they're they're cousins twice removed i think that's why they're twice removed. Uh, okay. well, they're still. not they're not full blood relatives but yeah still that's some alabama shit yeah that's Al- 
You just I've got just... reservoed. <laughs> Bam! You've just been dadded. <laughs> no one is safe. Uh, shout out to our Alabama fans. I'm sure we have them. Uh, we love you guys. There's no way we have them. Um, say say <laughs> hi to your sister cousin for me. Uh, <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get some comments now, bro. <laughs> so, um, besides the weird Alabama incest thing, um, I mean, they are from Louisville. Oh! So, <laughs> so uh, that was the thing that uh, the only thing about Daisy I was like that was weird. Um, yeah, yeah, that she was uh, for sure like he is in love with, and she was like kind of cool with it. She was like, <laughs> like yeah, okay. all right, if I'm cheating on anyone, I guess it's my cousin. And I and I did think that their relationship was odd. You know, when they first like when we were introduced to Daisy. It was seen through POV. You know, this was Nick's point of view. Which sidebar? Another another scene that is is it's that's exactly how it's described in the book with the flowing uh, um, curtains that are see through. And but in the book, Jordan and Daisy, I guess, were napping. I want to know what the fuck they were doing in the movie because you could hear them giggling. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, like Jordan's pretty cool. I mean. Is Daisy just like uh, fluid with her sexuality? I think so. You I mean, know? I mean, she wants to bone her cousin, apparently. Apparently, or at least doesn't <laughs> hate the idea. Or yeah, doesn't hate the idea. Doesn't hate the idea. Uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> man, this this episode's taking a weird turn now. Let me look at my notes real fast. You you talk about something. Uh, wow, what are words, uh, huh? So <laughs> I do want to talk about. So it's not so much the movie's fault. It's the story's fault. So oh. I do have problems with the story as a whole. See, I knew you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's some stuff in there that I really don't like. And okay. that's one of them is um, when, they're, <laughs> when they are having tea, dinner, lunch, breakfast, I don't know, uh, with Gatsby at the Buchanan residence first. This is before they go into town. Right, right, right. Um. Gatsby goes, you know, that's my house over there. And then Buchanan's like, is it? And I'm like, dude, you were there the other day. Oh, how, yeah. how do you not know that's his house? <laughs> you were just there. I think it was because Tom really didn't want to be there, so he wasn't paying attention to where they were. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, how in the world? I wrote it down. I was like, how does he not know where Gatsby's house Oh, yeah, because he turns is? around, too. Is it? Is it? It's like, yeah, man. Yeah. You were just... The- anyway, so I didn't like that. But, of course, my my biggest problem with the story has always been um, the car switching, uh, I think, is odd. Um, like when they switch the car when they go into town? Or, like, he, I'll take your yellow car, you take my blue one. It's like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I never understood that. Uh, it, to me, it was just a, a way to create this very... Uh, very, intricate problem or, yeah or just to set up this mistaken identity plot for two seconds it, yeah because it's almost like Tom knew something was going to happen or yeah or something it, it's, it's very odd to me and I've never liked that because so. I, I don't think we get an explanation in the book I, I can't remember no. um, I think in the book it happens like it does in the movie they switch cars when they're going into town and they switch back Why when they go back town into the city. Uh, and then when they leave the hotel, when Gatsby offers to take Daisy home, they take his car. And then that's when Myrtle, thinking it's Tom driving the car, 
because mm-hmm. they had just saw Tom in the car. By the way, Jason Clark, shout out to Jason, Jason Clark. Clark is awesome. I'm a big fan of his also. We for sure absolutely have to do The Devil All the Time as a future episode. Oh, I was going to say Zero Dark Thirty, but sure. Um, either way. Did you watch The Devil All the Time? Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he he's great in that, and he's also good in Zero Dark Yeah, Dark. he... With what little screen time Jason Clark was given, homie, he tried his best. I thought he did great. I mean, I did too, but there, there's one line that I can't stand. <laughs> I can't when wait. I first saw the movie in theaters, I was like, okay. And then subsequent watches, I'm, I just, I've loathed this line. It's when we meet Myrtle, Isla Fisher, who, great Bronx accent. Yeah, it is really good. Because she's Australian, I think. I don't, I think so. And I, think I mean, she probably, she has lots of help. She has an expert at home. Sasha? Sasha is. He's a, British. Well, he's a great, he's great at accents. Well, that's true. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, Sasha Barracone. Shout out to Sasha Barracone. Hey, hey, bud. Hey, buddy. <laughs> what was it like to be inside an elephant's uh, hoo-ha? Oh, my God. Brothers Grimsby. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... Anyway, so we meet her, you know, and she, you know, she's doing the whole like, get some chairs, why don't you? Yeah. And he says it twice. He says like, oh yeah, sure, I'll get the chairs. Yeah. And it's the second time that I I hate. Yeah, sure, I'll get the chairs. And it's like, just get the fucking chairs. I think it's funny too because I think that maybe in our society we are so used to. Um, so used to this being strictly just for children, but he goes, you want some candy to another adult? I think that's fun. <laughs> oh, and he's know, offered him soda. I know it's not supposed to be funny, but he was just like, you want some candy? You know? Mr. Buchanan, you want some candy? And he's like got his hand like fistful of yeah, like saltwater taffy or some shit. First off, saltwater taffy is amazing. So it I would is. definitely said yes, please. But <laughs> it's I, like, oh, I don't want your wife anymore, dude. Bro, hook me up with that saltwater taffy. That watermelon? What's up? What's up with that? So, like, I mean, that part makes me laugh also just because it's, for me, it's silly to have an adult say, do you want some candy to another adult? And it's then, funny. And then start offering him soda. Now, I think that, of course, that might have been, you know, 1920s, you know, candy is awesome, right? Yeah. Well... I mean, it's gotten way more awesome since the 20s. That's true. Um, uh, fun dip? <laughs> just throw the sticks away and just snort the dip. Don't actually snort the dip. Please don't do that. <laughs> this episode's got completely off the rails. Yeah, dude, this episode has gone way we, off the rails. This, this I think this is insane. This is probably going to be the highest point of the season of Downers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give you a little light after uh, all of Jeremy's dark. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a lot more to come. Um, now, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Sure. Because I've asked Ashley, and she agrees with me. Why do you think, shortly after we meet Myrtle and uh, I don't know her husband's name, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Clark. We're just going to say it was Jason, Jason Clark. Clark. Um, shortly after we meet her and we realize that this is Tom's mistress... Um, you know, they go to uh, the secret apartment and they, man, they start slamming away. Yeah, dude. What was your opinion of Nick just sitting there? Well, um, I don't remember if it was before or after this, but um, Tom does make fun of him for liking to watch. Was that before or after that? So, so okay. So it's when uh, the sound effects, great sound effects, by the way. 
Like for a PG thirteen movie, man, I was like, they're on top of this. Wow. Um, so, so the 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 if you watch this with subtitles, it says thumping. As the thumping gets louder, Nick's finally like, okay, That's I gotta fine. I gotta go, and uh, he opens the door, and Myrtle's sister is there with all her fucking friends, and he is trying so hard to get out of there yeah and that's when tom's like look i, I know you like to watch oh. no no no, i don't judge oh okay so that was after so um so yeah my long-winded explanation of it was after tom was uh you know had lost 10 pounds i mean i don't know man like i would just say that well maybe he's just here's well here's the question i pose if he thought he they were going to the yale club why didn't he bail when he real as soon as they shut the door? I don't know. If, I told Ashley, I was like, if that was me, <laughs> I would have bailed the minute they shut the door. Been like, oh yeah, you guys have fun. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe it's less. Maybe it's less about what would you do, but more of why is Nick Carraway so weird? I well see. So Nick is also like I mentioned. You know, I feel like he's the most stretched thin character. Not in, I should have prefaced it when I first time I said that, not in terms of writing. It also, it also might be a comedic, you know, element thing. that he's just, that it's a, <laughs> it, he's in a weird situation that he wasn't prepared for. And so he doesn't know what to do. Right. And so instead of, you Bailing, know. Bailing, he's just like. He's just like, I, I don't know what to do. And he's frozen, maybe. He's like, ah, I don't know what to do. Maybe that's it. I, I chalked it up to, because Nick is also probably the most wholesome character in the movie. And even in the story. You know, he, yeah, he becomes like the beholder of all these secrets, but I chalk it up to, he's wholesome. So he thinks if he leaves, it's rude oh. until <laughs> he, until he finally can't stand it anymore. Yeah. Until the thumping gets too loud and he's just like, yeah, it's time to go. And then he can leave. And then, uh, one of the, one of the things I love is, you know, we get to see his writing over a lot of the scenes. Because um, something that Ashley likes is that the movie implies that Nick wrote the the book. Oh, right. And so I was going to ask if that was in the book. And, and I've already discovered. When, no. When I said that we don't know what happens to Nick. Right. So right. I'm like, oh, so it's not that he wrote this book, The Great Gatsby. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I guess if I were to pick another dislike, it would be that. Because I think that's a little hacky. I think it's a little yeah. Hacky. At the end, he a little cheesy maybe. He wrote the great Gatsby, but like he it. he and, but hand he, wrote the great. I didn't like that either. Great, yeah. But anyway, um, but I like that we see his handwriting over a lot of the scenes, and I and I find it so funny when he's talking about, yeah, I've only been drunk twice in my life, but he writes once and then twice because he uh, writes through it and then writes twice, uh, almost like he's like. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I had a, like a set. This is what we were going to go through as we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And it's just veered oh, off in every single direction. Gone. Uh, <laughs> but there is one thing uh, that I, I still, the two things I still want us to talk about. Because um, I think we've got, oh yeah, we're good on time. Um, mainly because I've got a lot to edit out too. Uh, that's behind the scenes, guys. Oh, yeah, some inside baseball for you guys. Um, so first, because we haven't talked about it yet, uh, the difference between old money and new money. Okay. In the, in this, in the 20s. Because I know these, 
I mean, maybe not, but I feel like these are actual terms that were used oh. in the 20s. Yeah. Because I know, as we kind of talked, touched on, and I think Raging Bull, New Hollywood versus Old Hollywood. Yes. Um, so, Jeremy, would you like to tell the people what old money is? Old money is... Well, it also depends on timeline as well. But old money... In, in, well, in The Great Gatsby. What is, is old money? Old money is... These are generations of of wealth, right? right. So um, you're like third or fourth generation wealthy from family money, essentially. Right. Now, new money is first generation rich. I'm mm-hmm. rich now. And, and it's because of me. Right. Right. Or, you know, something that I've done. To that effect. Right. Um, that is old versus new money. And, you know, yeah, there's animosity between both because, you know, old money thinks that new money is, you know, tacky and whatever. Mm-hmm. New money thinks old money is stuffy and privileged and, you know, jaded and whatever. So. And nowhere is that... Uh personified and in Gatsby and Tom's rivalry not only over Daisy but over status mm-hmm. and money Tom is old money um they don't really talk about his family but you know in 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 the flashback when he and Daisy get married they kind of talk about it but Tom is old money all his money's come from family and that's the way he likes it that's the way it's always been yep that, and we kind of get that when he talks about, you know, how he's a, pretty much a racist. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I wouldn't even say pretty much. He's a racist. Uh, but like I said, in the book, he's way worse. He calls his staff uh, the word I will not say. Oh, he's way worser. Yeah, wor- worser, worser. Uh, that's why that opening line says it's not politically correct because uh, Fitzgerald uses that term. Ah. But anyway, and then Gatsby... Is, uh, is new money. He made all his money um, buying up drugstores to run booze out of. Uh, shout out to Boardwalk Empire. You see that in Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Um, because uh, this is, of course, during the Prohibition, where for whatever reason our government decided alcohol is illegal. You can't sell alcohol anymore. Uh, dumb mistake. It was really dumb, but it gave us one of the coolest things in the entire world, organized crime. Yes. So, um... <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the mafia. Yeah, shout out to organized shout crime. Shout out, uh, to Godfather. Nothing uh, is cooler than organized crime, so... Until it's not. Shout out to our Goodfellas episode. Until it's not. Until it's not. Until Tommy pulls a gun out and shoots you. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yes, uh, so... So, and Ashley and I had to look that up, because, like, we couldn't remember, like, how Gatsby had made his money. Um, I'm glad you said it because I don't remember. Either. Yeah, so he bought up, I, he yeah. bought up drug stores. I thought the drugstore thing was a lie. So I I don't even remember them him. Well, that's like, what Ashley and I just kind of termed like that. confirming that that was true. I don't think they ever confirm it, but we just kind of because you know Meyer, Wolfshire, or Wolfshire, however it's pronounced, Meyer, um, is definitely the ringleader in all this. Uh, Gatsby, I just refer to Gatsby as the middleman. Yeah, you know he because you know he's the one who always takes the phone calls like oh it's Chicago on the phone or it's you know he's the middleman he's the guy to make sure that everything's running smoothly that's why you know I don't think anyone of Myers inner circle cares when he dies 
all of those cities are extremely important, by the way. Watch Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because for sure. Chicago, New York, Atlantic City, uh, all of those places are really important. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, so that's how Gatsby made his money. And I hate to agree with a racist asshole, but as Tom states in the hotel scene, you know, because Gatsby says, you know, I have just as much money as you. That means we're the same. And he's like, oh, no, no. We're not the same. And, you know, and, and it, it's it's true. Old money, new money is not the same. And uh, you heard it here first. Um, Rain agrees with the race. So <laughs> listen. Uh, <laughs> at least I'm not an anti-Semitic like uh, the frozen head of Walt Disney underneath the Disney castle in Disneyland uh, it's no. there dig it up um, wow. but yeah you know it, it, it's it's they're not the same um, and I agree I do like that we have this visual representation of the separation of the two by the bay right the bay is the literal separation separation east egg and west egg west egg is new money East egg is old money. And it's also personified in their houses. Are those real places, by the way? East yeah. egg and West egg? Okay. I, I, for I've, sure. I've never been to New York. So Bro, let's go to New York right now. Ugh. Go fuck yourselves, guys. This episode's over. We're going to New York. <laughs> um, no, yeah. They're real places. Um, okay. And also it's personified new money versus old money in their houses. Yeah. The Buchanan home is very classy. Um. I'll, I'll be. It is very classy, you know. Even though it's owned by an asshole, um, you know, nice pillars, nice garden. It's, get... it's not over the top. It's simplistic in its design and it's exactly. you know. As were Gatsby's castle, yeah, not mansion. Castle yeah. is just very gaudy. It's over the top, and you know, and, and we get that when he gives Daisy a tour. You know, had these flown in from nobody. Now. He's got, like, a pool, like, in his house. Like, inside. Like, or something, like, a water feature people were in uh, and were able to swim in. I think there was maybe, like, a... Like, I don't know. It was nuts. I don't know, but Homie apparently also owns the beach, too. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Because Nick says, I made use of his beach. So, I mean, <laughs> homie, homie got the money. Really wish we would have seen that, uh, that, that hydroplane. I know, bro. It's the only thing we begin to see. Yeah, and it went up in his hydroplane. It's like, hey, Baz Luhrmann, show C us the hydroplane. CGI me a hydroplane. It's not like you Just, can't do that. You know, uh, fucking George. If George Lucas can CGI little rebel helmets moving in cod pits in a almost forty year old movie, you can CGI me Leonardo DiCaprio's face on a hydroplane. Um, sure. I <laughs> I don't like the over editing the Star Wars, but that, that is fine. Anyway, uh, so. I actually I'm very glad we didn't have to see that because that would have made the movie longer. So <laughs> but it's only two hours. It's and two and 20, a half hours. Two hours and twenty two minutes. That's so long. Don't I guess over exaggerate. I think it's just because you know, like I. Well, I will agree. When after Daisy and Gatsby start their affair, the pace of the film does slow down dramatically. I was I, I telling you, I was on board until then. I was like, oh, maybe this movie isn't that bad, and then it just got boring for me again. This sort of this. This story, this movie, these types of movies, they don't interest me. So um, I'm also watching a movie I don't care about. So <laughs> there, was, there was that as well. I mean, you know, no matter how good Carey Mulligan is, yeah. you know, I'm still bored as hell. And Leo DeCap? Yeah, I mean, Leo was good. Um, so Jeremy. Yeah. 
How about those party scenes? All right. So, that yes. So, the party scenes, especially the first one. That Nick is the only one invited to, which actually is very significant. Um, because as Jordan states, you just show up. And Nick was like, well, I was invited. I have an invitation. Which kind of alludes to that Gatsby has some sort of respect for Nick. Like, you don't just have to show up. Like, I'll, I will invite you. Or maybe. I don't... Maybe I'm he, reading too much into it. He for sure knew Nick would never show up. Ah. Right? Just and on his own, own, own volition. There's no way. Because, I mean, even while he was living there, there were parties going on that he didn't go to. Yeah. Like, he, was he just, didn't even go to see what was going on. Yeah. Right? He, he had to read those stock books. Listen. He's super into stocks these days. <laughs> stocks. Stonks. So I think that might be why I know we are, we are in the middle of a Wall Street revolution at the time of this recording. Uh, so uh, <laughs> shout out to GameStop. Shout out to GameStop for the, ruining everything. The memes are amazing. So um, I so I think that's why he, he he knew Nick was related to Daisy. Somehow he had to have because he needed Nick to go to the party. Well, and as Jordan says, like. I'm, you know, he threw all these parties waiting for her to walk in. I just happened to be the first one who knew her. Right. Um, but see, and Ashley said that maybe he asked around. I want to know, because on the invitation it says Mr. Caraway. I was like, how did Gatsby know his name? I think... Uh, Ashley just said he probably asked around. Jordan had met Caraway by that time. That's true. And so if Jordan was a regular at his parties, I think that connects the two. It connects Daisy, and she just found out that Caraway is, is living in this house and is related to Daisy, right. a person she already knows. Right. Anyway, so the first party that Nick goes to is insane. Would you um, want to go to one of those parties? No. no. Too, way too overwhelming. I would. I. I would. That's my worst nightmare. Would you have <laughs> cried in the corner? Yeah. My. Oh, you wouldn't have made it to the corner with no. all those people because even Nick gets shoved. No, nah, that's my worst nightmare. I. It. And again, it's. Overwhelming on purpose. Right. Right. Because we're seeing this from Nick's eyes. Right. And so this first party is outrageous. And you know the music's dope. Again, they're using the the modern music and mm-hmm. um which is cool. And there are people swinging on chandeliers, there's dancing, there's booze. Copious amounts of booze. Copious. And of course, this place is gigantic, and so every place is like its own side party, you mm-hmm. know. Um and again, it's shot very quickly. Uh, you don't, you don't stay on something for long enough, right? Right, and so it's fast. It's, it's loose, it, and it's it's just nuts. Which right. is the beginning twenty minutes of Moulin Rouge, and so <laughs> and maybe the rest of Moulin Rouge. I will never know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um, you know, and again, you know, we're seeing this from Nick's perspective. Uh, and you know, it's, he can tell it's overwhelming, but you know, where you and I, yeah, would be like, oh no, I'm leaving. Yeah. He, he embraces cause you know, he, he tries to find Gatsby cause I guess maybe to thank him for inviting right. me. Um, and you know, he gets all these other rumors. Like one of the, one of the bartenders is like, oh, I've never seen him. He doesn't exist. Yeah. And so Nick's like, all right, we're getting drunk. Yeah, exactly. Let's get fucked up. And I, you know, I did like the reveal of yeah, it's uh, Gatsby. Uh, that was kind of neat. I, liked ta- that. I mean, going back to us kind of shitting on all the blue screening, 
that blue screen's not too well, but I do love that shot. Just like I'm Gatsby, and we get the horns like, like, because we're seeing it not only from Nick's perspective, but for the audience, we were like, oh, and and Gatsby, and Nick just kind of insulted him. Oops, oops, and, and then and then we get the 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 very gifable yes the. Uh, Yes, another uh, meme of DiCaprio holding a drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I liked that, and I do think that the blue screen is used well in this in this part of the movie because it's so otherworldly, it's so mm-hmm. different than anything else. And I really wish that he had just kept it to Gatsby. just the house. Yeah, I mean, I think anything associated with Gatsby, that's fine. Right, because again, it's 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 meant to be sort of surreal, right? Right, um, and a little off because he's he you know Gatsby is playing this part and so over the top, right? Mm. That that you know now that we have it in other places, it looks less so, and it just looks like everything else. Right, well, that's fine, I guess. Um, but yeah, the party scenes were dope. And then um, after this first party, the subsequent parties that Nick attends. Um, are toned down. They're less so, yeah. Because now he's kind of used to these big... Right, so where they may be the same amount of nuts and um, and outlandishness, it's, to us, the audience, and to Nick, it's less so, because he's gotten used to it. Yeah, because he's gotten used to it. Um, so I thought I saw Billy Zane in the movie. I, I was like, oh my God, is that Billy Zane? Oh my God. He, he's one of the guys who's all like, I heard he killed a man that he kills for fun. I thought the same thing. I was like, that guy looks like Billy. I and knew. I literally had to pause it. I was like, because <laughs> I've never <laughs> noticed it until now. I was like, I knew it wasn't Billy Zane because he would have been older then. But I and he would have been bald and bald. And so I was Shout like, that's, Zane. I was like, that's not Billy Zane. But that guy looks like Billy Zane. Uh, you should listen to your friend Billy Zane. <laughs> it's a walk off, everybody. <laughs> that's his best role. <laughs> Oh dear um, God! Okay, one final thing. Okay, and then we can wrap up. Wrap sure, up. Wrap sure, up. sure, sure, sure. Is the music? Um, Jay Z. As, as we have alluded to, well, uh, not alluded. We flat out said it. There is a bunch of modern music in the film. Um, Baz Luhrmann got a lot of artists of who were. I mean, they are popular still, but really, twenty thirteen, they were on their game. Lana Del Rey, Florence and the Machine. Uh, I love Florence Welch. I think Florence Welch is one of the best voices in in music. But did you know her song is in in the first uh, um, party scene? After you know, no, because I'm so overwhelmed, I didn't notice anything. <laughs> so it, it's when Nick, it, you know, after the reveal of Gatsby and Nick's being left alone because Gatsby wants to talk to Jordan, right? And so Nick's like, "All right, well, I'm getting fucked up then," and we see him on the couch, and things have kind of slowed down. And the song that the girl on the piano is singing oh, okay. is Florence's song that she wrote oh, for the movie. Okay. So I, I wasn't listening for Florence. I was listening for the song. Well, I see, gotcha. and I could have sworn that was Florence. Um, She's pretty recognizable. I think you would know. If but because they put her in a, a red wig, the, the actress. Um, and, oh, Ashley, and Ashley looked it up and no, it wasn't Florence, but she was lip syncing the words for mm. the song. I, uh, so... I know we opened the show with Lana Del Rey. I'm not a fan of Lana Del Rey. Um, so and neither am I. Like, not even a little bit. The only song I really like is Summertime Sadness. It's, it's got a nice beat to it. Right, right, right. Um, but the reason why we opened the the, move, the movie, 
the episode with Lana Del Rey is because her song that she wrote, I think summarizes, not summarizes, uh, well, yeah, summarizes Gatsby and Daisy's relationship. Okay. Will you still love me if I'm, when I'm young and beautiful? Oh, uh, when I'm not, or I don't know. Just go back and rewind the episode. It's Lana Del Rey stuff. Um, She's just weird and awkward. I agree. Depressed and awkward. Um, Um, But then, as we mentioned, uh, Jay-Z was a consultant for music. It came out the same time, I guess, um, that uh, Watch the Throne Throne came out. Uh, Shout out that Jay-Z and Kanye collab. Shout out to Watch the Throne. Uh, If no one has ever listened to watch the throne how dare you it is a phenomenal album it's all good um if you thought jay-z and lincoln parks collab was awesome you ain't heard nothing until you hear jay-z and kanye yeah i mean they're they're super dope um it's Um, a great album and some songs are featured in this movie yeah uh no church in the wild fantastic uh with the bass and the guitar um who gonna stop me? Who gonna stop me? Which uh, foreshadowing? <laughs> foreshadowing the end of this episode. Foreshadowing. Uh, sidebar. Um, I did that when I was rewatching the movie. Uh, when Gatsby's, you know, asking Nick if he would agree to have Daisy come over for for tea, you know, and he's trying to get him to hang out with him, and he's like, you know, I, you know, we we, we could swim in the pool. I haven't used it, you know, I haven't used it all summer. Foreshadowing. I was like foreshadowing. <laughs> Sorry if those levels are really high, everyone. But Ashley was like, "Did you just sing foreshadowing?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." He, well, he just, but he said because he's gonna die. Yeah, in the pool that he hasn't used all summer, and the one time he uses it at the end of the summer, he dies. Jason Clark shoots him, and then Jason Clark shoots himself, or does the butler shoot him? Because I think the butler has a gun. Does he? I'm pretty sure because the butler's standing there like this. I did notice that, and but I mean, you have that shot of Jason Clark with the gun so, in his mouth. It's so wide because because yeah. Boz goes all. Another part of the cinematography that I don't like. I mean, I like that it was a wide shot, but it was so far back. You just see Jason Clark's body over here. Yeah, Gatsby in the pool, and then the butler's just right there. Yeah, because he's holding. You no, know, he's got the the phone next to him. So, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so the uh, so the music is great. I mean, the soundtrack is. Pretty dope, actually, because it's got all the, a lot of original songs that artists were asked to write for the film, like uh, Fergie wrote a song, which is also featured in the movie, uh, A Little Party Never Killed Nobody. Oh, my God. It's a pretty dope song. Fergs. Yeah, Ferg. she's Fergalicious. You know what I mean? I get it. Uh, yeah, and she got that MILF money. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. She sure does. <laughs> um... But as we mentioned, you know, there are certain parts where this modern, where modern music just does not fit this aesthetic, which is kind of crazy because we're kind of talking about it off mic and off camera that Jay-Z, I I may be misquoting him, but I'm about 75% certain the quote he said when he was asked, you know, why did they go with modern music for the film? And he said in the twenties, jazz was the hip hop of that time. And so he's kind of right. incorporating hip hop with the 20s fits, which I agree when we hear No Church in the Wild is when we're, you know, introduced to New York when Nick first arrives and it fits perfectly. Yeah, I mean again, that and who going to stop me in the in the in the in the in apartment that, right. party. I mean, that was rad. Um 
but some then, of the stuff in the Gatsby's party was rad. But then you're right. At the speakeasy, I don't think it fits. I think it's a little too much. I think we need a little bit of period music yeah. still. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, that's not to say that... I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy the music. It just... In terms of in the actual film, as we said repeatedly, it just doesn't work in certain parts. So, yeah. So, Jeremy. All right. Are you ready to wrap up? Yeah. Because I'm sure you're tired of talking about this movie and how how off the rails this episode has gone. (laughs) But, I mean, I I feel like we've had a very genuine conversation. I think it's gone just fine. Yes. Um... Probably I, not as good as our American Psycho episode because that flowed perfectly. Wow, that was so good. Like a good. You guys remember when we were good at this? You yeah. know. Um... <laughs> remember when we didn't start filming? <laughs> we didn't suck at this. Um, uh, I I will never watch this movie again. I will tell you that. Uh, I, I have absolutely no reason to. I almost bought the 4K. Oh, did you? And I was gonna call you and be like, "Hey, just keep keep the one you took from yeah, me. Yeah, keep it." In the trash. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I told Ashley, I was like, I think I'm going to call him and just tell him to keep it. She's like, he's probably going to throw it away. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, probably. Uh, but I didn't know. Take a picture of it in the trash, send it to you. Um, or it's going to be like that meme, like how to watch the great Gatsby and it's going to be in the trash. Babe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, overall, I didn't like it, but there are things I liked about it. We discussed that. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't recommend it, but that's, I mean, I, I, if you like the great Gatsby, Watch it. I don't know. I don't like the story. So, I mean, that's that's my yeah. problem. I mean, and like I said last week, and I know I've said it repeatedly during this episode, is I do enjoy the movie, but I do acknowledge that it's not a perfect film. Um, this would have... I should have picked this for when we did our bonus episode back in season three. Uh, I just couldn't think of anything. Because I do think it has value um, for people who enjoy the book. Um you know, like I said, there's you know all these great visuals that Boz uses the descriptive words, descriptive words from the book, to show us probably what we were seeing in our heads while we were reading the book. You know, but you know if you're going into this expecting um Oscar-worthy performances, you're gonna be unfortunately sorely disappointed. Yeah. If you're expecting uh, Oscar-worthy cinematography. You're going to be disappointed. If you're thinking you're going to get Wolf of Wall Street levels of CGI, uh, forget it. You know, you Dude, know. when I saw that breakdown of them walking away from that yacht and that wasn't Well, there, and I know the prison scene. Blew me away. I know the prison scene, it was all CGI. And when they showed how they, when I saw a video of how they pieced together, I was like. It completely blew me I'm away. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way that wasn't CGI. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> But with all that being said, if you go into this movie just wanting an entertaining movie, I think you will enjoy it. Um, and who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe I can. We at least me. I know him. I can at least change some of you. I couldn't change you. I thought. I thought. I knew there were certain things you weren't gonna like, but I was kind of hoping that you'd been like, I actually enjoyed it, Rain. No. Uh, but maybe some of you. I'm if, old. I'm set in my ways. Yeah, I mean, he's secretly Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> um, All right. So, Jeremy, what are you talking about next week? Even We're though not. the audience should already know. <laughs> We're not. Um, so next week, uh, I will be out of town. I'm uh, going to go visit my buddy. So... Um, we're going to take a week off. I have something planned for the interim. 
uh, we might, um, I would love to re-release our Stephen King short film. Um, yeah, I have talked to Alex about that, my guy. On our page uh, and on our YouTube channel. I think that would be fun for our listeners uh, to watch. Oh, so what you're saying is you want Alex to send me the final cut and then... Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk to him. We'll, I mean, it's not like we don't know him, so... <laughs> We gotta call his agent, right? Yeah, we gotta call his agent. But once... I mean, didn't he just have a you know hire on a new employee? Recently? He just had a baby. So that's congrats, the new employee I'm referring to. Congrats to Alex. And hey, buddy, if you've made it this far, listening or watching, congrats, my guy. He doesn't watch these. He doesn't watch this. He doesn't listen. Um, he he loves us, but he doesn't love us that much. No. Uh, he's he's like he's he's the stepdad we are trying to get approval from. Listen, so I've bad, I've man. started just listening to five minutes just to make sure it sounds good. So <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. Okay, okay, thank God. Um, and so no, we are not gonna have a a um episode next week. I will probably ask that we do a quick zoom and release something just for recommendation. I do like doing those. Um, um, yeah. For the interim. Um, but okay. So then what are we talking about the week after? So that? the week after, again, which, again, you guys should know what's coming next. Hopefully if we've picked up some new people from tombstone, which was an insanely popular post, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we are discussing Charlie Kaufman slash Ian reads, I'm thinking of ending things. Um, so Excuse me. by that, I mean, we are going to be discussing both the book and the movie. So uh, as we talked about off mic, I've started listening to the book because yep. um, I want to listen to the book first. Now, before see, I go that's the movie. I'm really glad you did it that way because I did it the opposite. And oh, okay. I've discussed it with my buddy, Zach, who we've talked about on the show before. Shout out to Zach again. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Um, he has a fresh Bambino also. Her name's Lila. Bambino. The Bambini. Uh, Bambino. So um, he l- listened to the audio and then watched the movie. And we both determined. That's the way to do it. Either way is fine. Oh, okay. Um, either, you, I... either you can see how Kaufman interprets the source material. Or you can get a Rosetta Stone for the adaptation. Because the book will answer it for you. So, um, but the, yeah, yeah, I've started listening to the book. Yeah. The reason why I did it that way is just because the book is the audio book is five hours long, um, which isn't bad for an audio book. No, not for a book. It's uh, very the short. Dune one, my Dune audio book, which Jesus. I need to pick back up, is twenty hours long. Oh my god. Um, I mean, it's not the it audio yeah, it book is, is like seventy hours. Yeah, it is long. It's like seventy two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, takes you three days to get through it. Yeah, but uh, and that's but, like solid three days, no sleeping. Yeah, but uh, I've started listening to it, and uh, you know I'm already on chapter th- three they're, or four. They're pretty quick, and it's I'm really digging it. You know, um, the third chapter where we get this almost break in the narrative where there are several. So there where, are where several they're like, interludes. I can't believe he would do that. There are I several was like, interludes. Yeah, yeah. Do what? And so if you had watched the movie first, you would understand what those are. Ah. Uh, but then again, you doing it this way is perfectly fine also. Again, it's either do you want to see how Kaufman interprets the source material or do you want an answer to a source material? Do you want mm. do you want the clues, right? Yeah. And so, and so either way works. I think the, that we did it the opposite way. It's perfect. Uh, so, it's yeah. So uh, before we end it, um, again... Digging it. Yeah. I uh, can't wait to actually watch the movie. Oh, and it's going to be rad. I'm actually kind of glad. I mean, I, uh, 
I'm a little upset we're taking another week off, but it still gives me time to really listen. And it gives you guys time yeah. to listen and read the book. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we may live stream this episode and be like, yo, uh, tell us what you thought. No, we won't do that. No, because you guys wouldn't even comment, you jags. We'd be sitting here for three hours. Yeah, like, we'd be like... Comments? Is that... Oh, it's no. my mom. Hi, mom. All righty, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and end it there because this episode has been all over the place. Uh, but don't worry. It's all worth it because you guys get to listen to Who Gonna Stop Me now. So Yes, we are going to play Who Gonna Stop Me uh, from Watch the Throne in its entirety um uh on the audio version not the not the youtube version YouTube version. I, sorry, guys. sorry guys uh if you want to hear it i mean just look it up on youtube uh but if you really want to hear it in its entirety after we're done talking go over to apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast well um after all of that we hope everyone enjoyed the great gatsby we will see you guys in two weeks for i'm thinking of ending things and thanks for listening this is something like the Holocaust Millions of our people lost Buy heads and pay to the law Till I die, I'm a fucking boss Now who gon' stop me? Who gon' stop me, huh? Who gon' stop me? Who gon' stop me, huh? Black cars, black cars, black on black, black bras Whole lot of money in a black bag Black strap, you know what that's for who gon' stop me, huh? Who gon' stop me, huh? Yeah, who gon' stop me? No breaks, I need state farm. So many watches, I need eight arms. One neck, but got eight charms. Who gon' stop me, huh? Niggas talking, they bitch made. X nay off my dicks nay. That's pig Latin, it's pay. Who gon' stop me, huh? Last night ain't go so well. Got kicked up at the hotel. Got a little freaky like Marvin now, but yes, tell how a co-sell. You just a commentator. If you gettin' paper, everybody I know from the hood got common haters. In some relations, you just supposed to say none. Her she fucked the door, man. Well, that's cool, I fucked the waitress. Her Yeezy was racist. Well, I guess it's someone basis. I only like green faces This is something like the Holocaust Millions of our people lost Buy heads and pay to the law Till I die, I'm a fucking boss Now who gon' stop me? Who gon' stop me, huh? Who gon' stop me? Who gon' stop me, huh? Black cars, black cars, black on black, black bras you know what that's for? Yeah, we purple, my money purple. Y'all see purple, I'm open circle. Yeah. I wrote the verse and I yeah. hope I hurt you. Stop. Who gon' stop me, huh? Beat the odds, beat the fast. It wouldn't be wise, bet against the kid. Stop me, bro. I better get rich. Night shift, six to six. Give me one shot, one pot. I show up in all white, wearing no socks. No ceiling, new coupe. They know I'm a dope boy, they don't have no proof. I'm three steps removed, I know how to move. It's looking like I don't know how to lose. I'm winning again, I'm at the win. I'm at the table, I'm gambling. Lucky lefty, I expect a seven. I went through hell, I'm expecting heaven. I'm old, cause I'm dull. And I stuck to the G code. I'm here, oh yeah. I promise I ain't going nowhere. Okay, here, like a hair, like a rabbit. I like carrots, I'm allergic to having bunny ears. Like broke, like nope, like huh. I ain't no joke, I can't be stopped, like, like nope. nope.
Like, nope. Still a beat, no. Uh, two seats in the 911. Uh, no lemon on the black car. Uh, told y'all I was gonna go ham. Uh, to the ocean with my backyard. Uh, no lies in my verses. Hey, please pardon all the curses. Hey, shit gotta come in some way. Fuck, when you're growing up worthless. Uh, middle finger to my old life. Uh, special shout out to my old hand. Uh, if it wasn't for your advice, uh, a nigga would have been so dead. Uh, I'm living life till these niggas kill me. Turn this up if you niggas feel me. I'm riding dirty, trying to get filthy. Pablo Picasso, Rocco's real keys. Graduated to the MoMA. And I did all of this without a diploma. Graduated from the Kona. Y'all can pay me for a motherfucking fool if you wanna. Street smart and I'm book smart. Could have been a chemist cause I cook smart. Only thing that stop me is me. Hey, and I'ma stop when the hook stop. Hold up. This is something like the Holocaust. Millions of our people You know what that's for?